Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Where in Between, the podcast that's dedicated to watching every single episode of As Told by Ginger once a week. I am Patricia. I'm Casey. And I'm Ashley. So last time we discussed about episode three and now we're going to be jumping into episode four. So if you want to talk about your opinions of the episodes that we're talking about, then please check out our forums, which are in the description box below and we'll share them on our Twitter pages. Totally. Very excited about this one and excited to be in the thick of it now. We're four weeks in, we're chugging along and really starting to get into the groove of the show. Yeah, definitely excited for this one. Thanks, you guys, as always, for listening. And we're in between. Someone once told me the grass is much greener. I still need to watch all of this show in order. There is a mixture of sadness, but at the same time, there's a mixture of a little bit of humor, which you can definitely expect in this series. Every character has multiple dimensions, really. Obviously, it's a scripted show, but they don't feel scripted. They feel real. They feel genuine. If kids find value in things, I think there is value in them. Because it is art in its own way, and it is very important. Whatever it is, just own it. You know, love what you do and do what you love. If it's cool to you, then, you know, who cares about what the others say? The episode we're going to be talking about is called Sleep On It. It was uh, released on November 15th, 2000. The teleplay was done by Evan M. Katz and Kate Boulier, and it was written by Emily Kapnick, Evan M. Katz, and Kate Boutelier. So the episode is about Ginger talking about a slumber party, and Courtney wants to throw her own and invite her friends along, including Ginger, because why not? So we have her trying to learn about how to throw a slumber party, and in the meantime, Blake wants to throw his own sleepover as well, and he invites Carl along, and Carl decides to have this be an advantage point so he can be able to steal back the petrified eyeball that Blake had stole from episode one. Gotta love the continuity. Yeah, right? Yeah, and once again, Courtney obsessing over Ginger. It's been a theme of every episode so far. Can we talk about the theme song real quick? We haven't talked about it yet, and I feel like we owe it to the show. Sure. It's. I mean, Ashley and I both just declared it our favorite on the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. Without premeditating, we didn't know each other's list. We both said it's our favorite theme song of all Nicktoons. I would have to say the same yeah, thing it, for me. It encapsulates the show so well in so many ways. It it brings the feeling and, uh, like, the name of our podcast, the I'm in between line, really gets the, the feeling of when you're in that age and you're kind of envying everybody, but you're all in the same place. And it just, uh, it's such a good song for this show. It fits so well. Yeah, and when you think about it, like, all the other Nicktoons throughout the 90s, they pretty much have no lyrics. Uh, it was only until, believe it or not, Rocket Power, in which it started to have lyrics with theirs, and then eventually we had Spongebob. Oh, no, wait, it's Cat Dog. So we had Cat Dog first. I love Cat Dog's theme song. Yeah, Cat Dog's theme song's pretty fun. Um, then we had um, Rocket Powers, and then we had Spongebob's. Throughout that time, there weren't a lot of like lyrics to their theme songs. I mean, there's no lyrics to Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and, well, Doug's is just, dude, 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 And, you know, our Real Monster's the same. Rocco's Modern Life is just repeating the title. Hey Arnold is also repeating the title. 
Kablam's is um is basically a rendition of a song called Two Tone Army by the Toasters, and then Pelswick's is also an instrumental, and then we go over to Estel by Gingers, and it def it's like a perfect showcase on what the show is going to be about, as well as having a memorable tune, as well as you know good lyrics, uh, both written by the creator herself and the music composer uh, Jared Faber. Jared Faber, similar to Jim Lang, has pretty much done the music for every project that Emily Kapnick has d been involved in. He also did the soundtrack for Suburgatory, which is also an amazing soundtrack. Also, uh, for our Told by Ginger fans, if you are interested, I highly recommend that you watch um, Suburgatory because Suburgatory is basically as Told by Ginger, but live action. Yeah, I love this theme song. It's got this sort of muted, like, 70s wah-wah guitar feel, and the lyrics are so relevant. And it was sung by a whole bunch of different singers, which we talked about on our show a little bit. We'll get into that more another day. Um, it's it's just phenomenal. But anyway, getting into this episode, Ashley, do you want to lead off with your thoughts? Sure. Uh, this is similar in a way to the, the first episode where Courtney is fascinated by the idea of Francis, only this time it's with the idea of a slumber party. So Macy... Dodie and Ginger apparently just have slumber parties pretty regularly, and Courtney has never done such a thing, and she's so interested in the idea. She wants to know what's up with the idea of a slumber party, what what do we do, what's it like, and of course she wants to have her own, and of course Ginger is invited. You know, Ginger is kind of surprised by it, but Courtney wants to learn about slumber parties, and she finds slumber parties to be really interesting, and she um, invites Ginger to not only, you know, invite her, but also to kind of learn about slumber parties. And, you know, we also get, you know, Blake, who's interested in wanting to throw a sleepover of his own. He invites Carl to the sleepover, and Carl wants to use this to try to steal back the petrified eyeball. But um, we'll get into later on and how he kind of messed that part up. So I love at the top of this episode the contrast we see between the two families, from Courtney's family to the Fowleys, where they're having this prim and proper conversation about, oh, sleepovers, where they sleep on the floor, how, you know, how delightful, how quaint, and then we cut over to the Fowleys when Courtney comes over to ask about the sleepover, and you just hear uh, Lois yelling, will someone get the door? And it's kind of chaos in their house and this sort of, you know, the classic Foutley vibe of like a little disheveled, but they're doing what they can, you know, and it's so contrasted. Yeah, they, they're truly from uh, two different worlds, Courtney and Ginger. You, you, can, you can feel it. And uh, it's, you know, it's, again, it's, it's sort of one of those who has it better, grass is always greener on the other side situations, because Ginger has a lot more of a real down-to-earth feel, and Courtney's, Courtney's somewhere else, man. She's, she's in another planet, truly. And, but yeah, we, we have Carl trying to get the, the eyeball back. We have Ginger excited for the slumber party, and similar to the first party, Dodie and Macy are both very excited about the idea of Ginger being at this because they're all fascinated with Courtney's life. They want to see her room. They want to know what's in it. They want to know what everything's about. And so we see that that sort of excitement from them. Yeah, and we even cut back into um, Dodie's house and 
Dodie is quizzing Ginger about Courtney's friends, which I kind of find interesting. It's like, you know, they know about Courtney's friends. Like, one of them is um, Mipsy, uh, and she's going to be, like, a character that's going to be seen throughout the series. And it's like, you know, what does she have in her charm bracelet? And, you know, getting to learn about them so that Ginger doesn't feel awkward whenever she, um, if she goes over to the slumber party and she doesn't know who any of these people are. So it's kind of nice that, you know, Dodie is willing to help Ginger out with you know, learning about who Courtney's friends are. That way it doesn't become, like, too awkward for Ginger because, you know, she's going to be the odd one out. And, you know, she's not one of the popular kids, and she doesn't know them very well. I mean, with the exception of Miranda, but we already know about that. So it's really nice to kind of see that dynamic. And then we cut over to Carl's side where he wants to try to open up a jar of rotten eggs. Because he was like really shocked by it, he said, "We're not supposed to use that, and you know, unless it's for emergency purposes." And so he opens it up, and it stinks up the entire house, and it even scares away Joanne's book club. Yeah, so they yeah they storm out, and uh, Carl gets grounded, and Lois is like, "She's been doing that big book club for ten years," and Carl's very proud of himself, and. Okay, it, it, it probably seems like I'm obsessed with Dodie by this point, but I have another point about Dodie. <laughs> She's, before the sleepover, Dodie is so living vicariously through Courtney's affection towards Ginger. Like, Dodie is not quite jealous, but she's so excited that their friend group is getting that attention through Ginger. So Dodie is quizzing Ginger on everyone who's going to be at the sleepover with flashcards about who their nicknames are, what their likes are. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's it's a little over the top, to say the least. She means well in a way. She's so obsessed with the idea of popularity that I feel like it kind of brings up some issues. But um, moving forward, Carl tries to beg his way out of getting grounded because he wants to go to the sleepover so that he can, you know, get his petrified eyeball back. And Lois is just not having it. The sleepover is a part of the grounding. He has to miss it. And we do have this great moment of the friends where... That was originally going to mean that, therefore, Ginger would also have to miss the sleepover because Lois would have to work. And Macy and Dodie step in because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, right, for Ginger. And they agree to watch Carl, which I thought was really nice of them. You know, it, it does show they are true friends at the end of the day. Now we cut into Ginger being dropped off at the sleepover and this is hands down one of my favorite moments in the entire series so she knocks into her door and then we see courtney wearing you know a face mask and she has her she's wearing a robe and she's like ginger what are you doing here and then ginger simply says i was invited wasn't i and then courtney says yes but it's eight fifteen. then ginger says uh, but the, you said the party started at eight and then miranda comes in with a face mask and she's wearing a robe and she's like you actually came on time? Oh, that's priceless. And they just both laugh at her. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I know that there's a term about being fashionably late, but Ginger showed up 15 minutes late. They were hoping that maybe she would show up like an hour late. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, 15 minutes, I feel like, is not like late late, but it's certainly not ridiculously early, right? If she was there at like 7.50, it might be a little bit like, why are you here already but i feel like 15 minutes late is a pretty 
reasonable time to show up to an event. And it's also pretty presumptive of them to pretend to be the experts when that's the whole reason Ginger's there is because she's there to teach them about sleepovers. So the first thing about sleepovers that she explains to them is you want to optimize your time. Yeah, exactly. And so then we have Carl hooking Hoodsie up with a camera and a walkie-talkie. It's the earpiece he mentions from uh, Maud from episode two. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's the same earpiece that Carl was using to help Maud win a game of Crazy Eights. Yeah, it's a nice callback that he still mentions her, and I wonder how much longer he'll go on mentioning her. Don't worry, there will be another episode where Maud does get mentioned again. So, uh, Hoodsie is asking Carl a whole bunch of questions, and he starts getting a little bit concerned because um, Hoodsie has this tendency of wetting the bed. And so Carl tells Hoodsy, don't drink any liquids, and as long as you don't, then you're going to be perfectly fine. Then he starts getting ready to go over to, um, you know, Courtney's house, and then Blake um, welcomes he, who, who he thought was Carl, and then he sees that it's Hoodsy, and he becomes kind of disappointed. Yeah, I, I find this interesting that Blake has an obsession with specifically only Carl, right? He doesn't want to be friends with both of them, he just wants to be with Carl. Yeah, which is kind of like the opposite of Courtney wanting to be friends with Ginger. Now we have the girls' section of the sleepover, and they're playing a game of truth or dare, which, that's a classic game to play whenever that you're in any slumber party. And then we first learn, for the first time in the series, about Ginger uh, having a huge crush on uh, the boy Ian. And he's like one of the most popular kids in school, he's a good-looking guy, and uh, Ian will become pretty prevalent throughout the first season, so... Yeah, you'll be hearing, you'll be knowing a lot more about him later. And then we have, um, you know, uh, Carl looking through um, the, the camera and seeing Blake, and he starts to leave to get some more snacks or some hot chocolate or something. And so he tells uh, Hoodsie to try to find the petrified eyeball. And then when he does find it, and he puts it away in his backpack. He says, you know, go run, run away. And he's like, no, um, I want to stay for the slumber party. And he's like, no, uh, you know, negative. You are here to grab the petrified eyeball and leave. And then when Blake comes back saying that there's some leftover chicken cordon bleu in the fridge, and Carl says, no, because he knows that he lost him. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I don't know. I guess there's a rush because he wants to make sure he doesn't get caught, but he's a little bit overly hectic about it. You know, Hoodsy's just... Being hoodsy, all is well. The whole concept of them spying uh, via technology is pretty intense, and then Dodie and Macy, of course, get swept up into it while they're watching Carl, and uh, it's all executed pr pretty brilliantly by Carl and Hoodsy. Yeah, and it's funny too because the food that they're preparing for them to eat is sloppy Jane, which you know, as mentioned earlier in the first episode about you know what's going to be for their their snack when they're painting their nails. So. That's another callback. Right. I also had this thought when Hoodsy gets busted wetting the bed and they're all making fun of him. Uh, for, for some reason, I thought the plot was going to go if it went the typical tropey route. They're all laughing at Hoodsy and Ginger is trying to defend him. For some reason, I had it in my mind that she just starts peeing <laughs> and then says, like, see, it happens to everyone. It doesn't happen. I don't know why I had that in my head, but... I don't know where your mind is, Casey. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? In like a, in like a, the leader embarrassing themselves to help out the little guy kind of way where it would make dramatic sense. 
Yeah, dramatic sense, but not physical sense, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember a few years ago there was an episode of Arthur in which one of the girls uh, was invited over to a sleepover on Muffy's house, and she had this condition where she had a bedwetting problem, and it was like um like a medical condition, and so she was afraid of going over to the sleepover because she didn't want to be embarrassed by anybody, and so uh, she actually um, carried like a spare um, pull-up. And so, you know, she made it through the night without wetting the bed. And then she sees like a, she she realizes that the pull-up was like pulled off uh, from one of the pillows that she was hiding. I mean, not hiding, that she was sleeping in. And then Jenna grabbed it and said, you know, to kind of hide herself. It's like, hey, who was the baby who had the pull-up? And then everybody was looking, looking at her. So like, dude, I mean, it's a pull-up. It's not a big deal. And then when Francine goes over to her and saying, like, you know, you could have hurt somebody's feelings with that. It's like, no, it's mine. The reason why I didn't want to go in the first place is because I have a condition where I can't stop wetting the bed. So, you know, having an episode where it involves with sleepovers and there's, like, one person who has a bedwetting problem is normal. Yeah, and Ginger puts Courtney's bra in the freezer at the very end, right? Yeah, we, we find that out. But before we get to that, I do want to throw out that Along with Ginger kind of having her solidarity moment, she turns to Courtney and she says, Truth or dare, Courtney? And Courtney goes with truth, and she says, When you were a kid, did you wet the bed even once? And Courtney gets all like, Oh no, I never, that's disgusting. Ginger just looks at her and says, If you're not going to tell the truth, you might just want to say dare. Which I thought was such a good line, and she just walks out of the party. Yeah, that was a great moment. And then the episode concludes with... Um, you know, Ginger meeting up with Dodie and Macy and Carl and Hoodsy, they're just eating breakfast with one another, saying about how Ginger was the hero for standing up uh, to Hoodsy, and then Hoodsy was the hero because he grabbed the petrified eyeball back. And it kind of, like, leads up to, like, when Miranda saw Ginger walking away, saying, like, oh, that's going to be the end for you, Ginger. And then she kind of, and then we do lead up into that joke in which... Um, Ginger did put uh, Courtney's bra in the freezer. And kind of risque that they even talk about bras in the first place on this show, but they really go there, and I think it's a show that would be really helpful for older elementary school-aged girls because it's a confusing time with a lot of misinformation, and the show addresses things pretty head-on most of the time. Yeah, and, and there is an episode later on in the series that does tackle a subject like that. And also, this won't be the last time in the series in which a bra isn't a major focal point in the, in a plot. So, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for that. Oh, boy. So, yeah, uh, that is the end of episode four. So, do you guys give it a yay or a nay? It's a yay for me again. I give it four in a row. But this one's a much more confident yay than the last one. I agree with that as well. I enjoyed this one more than the third. I will give it a yay as well. Patricia, can I add a third option to our our poll? Of course. Can we add a meh? Okay, yeah, we can We can add a meh, sure. I still would give everything we've watched a yay, but I, in case we don't like an episode, but we don't hate it either, you know? I would, you know, do in that third option as well, sure. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back with episode five next week. Hey!